Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. And I want to start right there. 1 Kings 18, verse 1 and 2 says this. Sometime later in the third year of the famine. So there's been a famine that's going on for three years. And this famine is a result of a drought. Rain had not fallen in Israel. There's a famine. The Lord's message came to Elijah. Go make an appearance before Ahab so I may send rain on the surface of the ground. So Elijah went to make an appearance before Ahab. What we read about before this in 1 Kings chapter 17 is Elijah has kind of been away from the king, kingdom and Ahab and Israel and all this for three years. In 1 Kings 17, we see that Elijah as a prophet has this ability to call upon the Lord and send rain. And Elijah's been gone for three years. Now there's this drought. And what Ahab has done is he's turned Israel away from God. They're worshiping false gods. And God is saying to Elijah, it's time for you to go back. It's time for some rain to come back to Israel. It's time for you to confront Ahab. Ahab. It's time for you to answer the call. So if you're taking notes today, the title of today's message is that, Answer the Call. Every one of us in our lives, there's going to be moments when God calls on us to do something, and we're going to have to say, am I going to answer this call or not? I'm not talking about phone calls. Remember back in the day when people enjoyed answering the phone? When I was growing up, I used to race with my brothers to see who could answer the phone. Now when somebody calls you, it's like, don't they know how to text? Don't, shouldn't they know that they should text me to call me before they call me? Who calls just out of the blue anymore? Why would somebody do that? You know, you get, some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, you, I don't want to admit that I'm that person. You are that person. You get really frustrated when you see a phone call pop up. Don't they know this is, this is my, just text me. This could happen over text. And then everybody over, over 50 is like, no, it's just much easier to call. And I, you know, there's this, we used to enjoy it, but and I'm not talking about phone calls. I don't need to get into those dynamics this morning. I'm talking about these moments moments in our lives when we're called upon to do something. It's your moment. It's your time. And how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? Have you had a moment before where you knew it was your time, but it didn't go very well? You knew that this was your moment. This was your chance to respond. When I was in 10th grade, I was on the JV basketball team. I never played. I was a bench warmer. I was as slow as a turtle, so I never came off the bench. They never let me in the game. I went to the coach, and I said, would you please just let me play a little bit? Would you, would you please let me play? And so the, the following game, he lets me in the game. And somehow, I don't know how this happened, I became wide open on a fast break. And so I started running down the court as fast as I could, which was not very fast. I was like moving like a turtle. And some, some, one of my teammates had the ball. He passed it ahead to me. I got the ball. I started dribbling. And I went up with great form for a left-handed layup. Now, my feet didn't really leave the ground because I couldn't jump either. But I went up for this left-handed layup. This was my moment. This was my time to shine. I didn't have a chance to shoot the ball all year because I never played. This is it. And I go up. And I missed the layup. <laughs> Wide open layup. Now, in my defense, there was a defender right behind me. And what he did was he grabbed the net and he pulled the rim down. So it still counted as two points for me because it was a form of goaltending. But still, this was my moment. This was my time. And I, this is my time to answer the call. And I fell short. Have you been there before? This is your time. This is your moment. This is my opportunity. And you get out of here like, I just blew it. No, how, what? I, this, I, I was going to give the best presentation. You just blew it, you know? You just blew it. But then we've had those moments before too. 
where we've had to answer the call and we've been preparing. We've been putting in work and it goes really well. In June of 2019, I was going to a church planting assessment with Kim. Now, if you don't know what church planting, it basically just means starting up a church. It's what we did with New Story. We started a new church. In the church world, we call it church planting. It sounds really sophisticated and wonderful. And so I was at this church planting thing in 2019. And one of the exercises was I had to give a 10-minute elevator pitch to a group of about 15 people who invested in church plants or who had been church planters themselves. And I prepared. I put in the work. I don't mean to brag, but this was one of those moments where it just went really well for me. I got up and I said, hey, we're going to be starting this church called New Story Church in Buffalo. And uh, we exist so that people can experience and discover the new story that Christ has for them. I gave the whole vision. I went to 2 Corinthians 5.17, like many of you have heard me do time and time again. I got up and, and the guy who followed after me, is my friend Drew, we're still friends. He, before he started his presentation, he said something to this effect. He said, uh, I, I don't really know how I'm going to follow that. I don't know what I'm going to say now. And there was one of those moments where I was like, yes, I did it. I nailed it. We've had those moments before too, where you're like, I prepared, I put in the work. It's a time. My time came. I did it. It worked. And, and those moments feel great. I'm sure you've been there before too. We said, yes, I aced it. This was my time. This was my moment to shine. But then there's the other moments where we have our chance to answer the call and we fall short. And whenever these moments come up in our lives to do something, to make a difference, to respond, we always have in the back of our mind those moments of failure. Yeah, we remember the victories, but the failures, they're just so embarrassing. Like, I don't really know if I can do this. I don't really know if I want to try this. But whether you realize it or not, or whether you understand it or not, there is something that God is calling you to. There is somebody he is calling you to become and to be. And when God calls upon our lives, not only is he just calling you and saying, hey, go figure this out. That's not what he does. He calls you into a new kind of life and he says, I am going to show you the way. I am going to be there with you. And this morning, I want us to look at the life of Elijah and how he answered the call to return back to confront King Ahab, this wicked king, even in a moment where he could have very easily experienced fear in a moment where he could have maybe thought back to some moments in his life that weren't so easy. But in this moment, he answers the call. And as we look at this example of Elijah, I believe there are things that we can take from this story that can apply to your life as well as God is speaking into your life by the power of his Holy Spirit and calling you forward in the life that he has for you. We pick up in verse seven of 1 Kings chapter 18, which says, as Obadiah was traveling along, Obadiah was a man who had stayed back serving Ahab, but Obadiah was a guy who was following God. And he was traveling along, Elijah met him. When he recognized him, he fell face down to the ground and said, is it really you, my master Elijah? He replied, yes, go and say to your master, Elijah is back. Elijah looks at Obadiah and says, go say to your master, Elijah is back. You know, one of the things I've talked about a lot here at New Story is that when God calls us forward into a new kind of life, is that he'll call us into the unknown. And that does happen a lot. But sometimes when God is calling us forward, there are moments when he calls us back to the place that we were. There are moments that he calls us to go confront something in the past. And some of us were like Jacob in the book of Genesis, where Jacob had made some poor decisions, and so he was running from his past. 
Elijah wasn't necessarily running from his past like Jacob was, but Elijah's now being called back into the past to go confront this. See, there are moments when your future is going to be forged by confronting the problems of the past. God might call you to go back. God might be bringing something full circle in your life and he wants you to go look at this. And when it seems frightening, when it seems intimidating, write this down. Whenever God is calling you into a frightening situation, look back. God has prepared you for this moment. There are chances are when you look back, God has prepared you for this moment for what he's calling you into. When we look at the life of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17, he had moved on and, and, and he was out in the wilderness and God sent ravens with food to provide for Elijah. Then after that, God sent Elijah to a widow who had very few resources and then God multiplied her resources and was able to provide food for Elijah. And that Elijah, this widow, her son died at one point in time and God moved through Elijah to bring the son back to life. So, so Elijah's going back to this frightening situation where Ahab had been killing prophets, where Ahab had turned away from God. Ahab's wife Jezebel was killing prophets and she was killing so many that Obadiah, this guy that Elijah had showed up to, at one point Obadiah had hidden 100 prophets away from Jezebel because she was trying to kill them. Of prophets of God. So, so they're hiding these people out. And now Elijah's going back, but, but Elijah, if we look at 1 Kings 17, he knew that his God was the provider. He had provided for him with the, with the ravens and the food. He had provided for him in the widow's home. He saw God as the healer and the restorer as he brought that young boy back to life. Oftentimes, when you start seeing God moving you into something and you seem frightened, you seem nervous, the best thing to do is to look back on God's faithfulness and see how he has moved in your life, even in subtle ways. How has he provided? How has he shown up? What has he done for you? Because it's oftentimes in the past that you will see him preparing you for the future that he's now calling you to face. And I believe that Elijah was able to do that because as he's moving forward, he says to Obadiah, hey, Obadiah, go get King Ahab and tell him that I'm back. And Obadiah is like, that doesn't sound like such a good idea to me, Elijah, because he's been looking everywhere for you. And what I'm concerned about is that I'm gonna go tell him you're back and then God is going to take you away and then he is going to kill me because you're not here. He's gonna think I was playing games with him, Elijah. Obadiah says this, now you, now you say, go and say to your master, Elijah is back, but he will kill me. He will kill me. You're telling me this, but, you're, but he, he will kill me. When you start answering the call, when you start living the life that God has called you to live, when you start becoming like Christ and giving your life over to his kingdom and his purposes, as we were talking about in our last series, to live in the new story that, that God has designed us to live in, when you start doing that, there will be people in your life who are discouragers, and they might discourage you away from it. And I don't, I don't know if this is the best idea in the world. Now, some discouragers, they come from a place of jealousy, they come from a place of not understanding. They come from a place of trying to, of, of, of almost like, oh yeah, you, you think you're better than us because you're going to do this now. It's almost like this jealousy or this wanting to make you feel bad for living a new kind of life. That's where some discouragers come from. But some discouragers are like Obadiah. I don't think Obadiah was, was jealous of Elijah. I think Obadiah was just genuinely afraid and discouraged. 
He was a guy who had to hide a hundred prophets from being killed. He, he had seen mostly darkness in his life. He had seen a lot of bad things, a lot of garbage. Sometimes there are voices in your life that are discouraging voices, and they're not trying to necessarily hold you back. They've just seen a lot of stuff. And it's in those moments you want to have humility and care towards those voices, but recognize that they are not going to stop you from what it is that God is calling you to. Elijah convinces Obadiah, hey, go get Ahab. So Obadiah does, he goes and gets Ahab. And King Ahab shows up. And look at what he says to Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, is it really you, the one who brings disaster on Israel? Ahab's trying to flip the story here. He's trying to, oh, Elijah, you're the one who could call God and ask for rain. So you're the one who's causing trouble and causing problems here in Israel. It's on you, Elijah. When really Ahab was the one bringing problems onto Israel. He was the one who had turned Israel away from God to worship false gods. He was the one who was, who was killing prophets, who was a part of that. He was the one who was bringing trouble onto Israel. But he came in with this deceptive voice and tried to turn Elijah into the villain. He tried to flip the script. He tried to flip the story. He tried to come in with this deceptive perception and get Elijah to believe something that wasn't true. Here's something you can write down. When God is moving you towards your destiny, don't be surprised if discouragers and deceivers start popping up all over the place. When God starts moving you forward and you start saying yes to God and you start becoming more and more like Jesus and you start living the life that Christ has called you to and you start moving towards the cross as we talked about back in September, don't be surprised if there are discouragers who are like, well, I, I just don't know if that's a good idea to be to walking in faith like that. Or if there are deceivers who start saying things to you like, that's not really you. You can't really do that. that there will be discouragers who start, you know, and sometimes the worst discouragers and deceivers are the ones in your own mind not even actual people. It's just you discouraging and deceiving. And let the voice of God and the Holy Spirit renew your mind and realize that, no, God is calling me forward right now. Elijah knew who God was. When we look at 1 Kings 17, he knew who God was. He had spent time with God. He had seen God move in his life. And I want to remind you of this today, that if you are here and you are a follower of Christ, he says that you will never be snatched out of his hand. He says that you are his child, that you are his workmanship, that he has designed you and created you for a purpose and to become more and more like him. And there are discouraging voices. There are deceptive voices that might try to draw you back, that might try to keep you away, that might try to get you to believe something about yourself that's not true. A, a voice that says, oh, you'll never be able to do that. Or a voice that says, oh, you're just all that your past is. And Jesus says, no, you were made brand new in the work that I have done on the cross. I have made you new. We are a new creation in Christ. And my challenge today is that when you move forward in the destiny that God is calling you to, as you answer the call and respond to him, don't let discouragers and deceivers hold you back from what it is that God is calling you to do. Amen. And thankfully, Elijah doesn't. He keeps moving forward. And he issues a challenge to the false prophets. He's going to demonstrate to Israel now that he's not the one who has been harming and hurting Israel. But it is Ahab and his, his false kingdom. 1 Kings 18, 21 through 24 says, Elijah approached all the people and said, How long are you going to be paralyzed by indecision? If the Lord is the true God, then follow him. But if Baal is, follow him. But the people did not say a word. 
Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but there are 450 prophets of Baal. Let them bring us two bulls. Let them choose one of the bulls for themselves, cut it up into pieces, and place it on the wood. But they must not set it on fire. I will do the same to the other bull and place it on the wood. But I will not set it on fire. Then you will invoke the name of your God, and I will invoke the name of the Lord. The God who responds with fire will demonstrate that he is the true God. All the people responded, this will be a fair test. This is a good idea. Let's do this. Elijah says, okay, I'm going to set up a bull over here, and these 450 prophets can set up one, and they can start calling upon their God and see if he sends fire. And then I'll, I'll call upon God and see if he sends fire. These 450 prophets, they start putting together this whole chant, this whole ritual. They're, they're calling and asking for fire, and nothing's happening. And Elijah starts trash-talking them. <laughs> he starts mocking them. Mocking, mocking, mocking. Look at this, 1 Kings 18, 27. At noon, Elijah mocked them. Yell louder. After all, he is a god. He may be in deep thought. Or perhaps he stepped out for a moment or has taken a trip. Perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. Some translations, he says, maybe your God is out using the bathroom. It actually says that in the Bible in some of your translations. It in this one because I have the holier one. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but there, there, there are some that says that he, he starts mocking. He starts trash talking. Can we just pause for a moment and admit that Elijah has a little bit of swagger here? This guy shows up to Obadiah and says, hey, I'm back. This is Terminator stuff before Terminator. Terminator just said, I'll be back. Elijah said, I'm back. Then Elijah says, hey, we're going to have a little showdown. One prophet versus 450. This is like some Superman stuff. And then he starts trash talking. Like before Michael Jordan was trash talking people, we got Elijah out here trash talking these people. There's definitely a little bit of a flair that comes with Elijah. There's a little bit of swagger. There's a little bit of confidence here. And he starts mocking them. And, and they get so upset. The scriptures tell us that, he's, that, that they start cutting themselves and mutilating themselves, calling for blood. And not, it, the, the blood is shedding, calling for fire, and nothing happens. Nothing happens. But this is a reminder for us. There's, there's, against all odds, one versus 450. When you answer the call, though, you will have to confront evil. When you answer the call, you will have to confront evil. You can write that down. It'll be up on the screen. Elijah knew he had to confront this evil that was oppressing Israel, that was keeping Israel from experiencing the life that God had for them. Sometimes we get this idea that oh, following God, it's going, to be, it's going to be easy and wonderful because God is with me. But God has also placed power with inside of you, his power, his Holy Spirit, so that we can be the people who bring light to darkness and confront evil. It could be as simple as you know of a, of a bad situation that's happening with a friend or a family member where somebody is being harmed and you know that you need to speak up and say something. And you've been nervous too. And I tell you, this is sometimes one of the most difficult things to do as a pastor even. I would love to just get up every week. When God is for us, who can be against us? Like that feels really good. But there are moments when we have to call some things out. 
There are moments where we have to address some things because if we don't know what darkness looks like, then how can we bring the light to it? When we, when we, don't, when we don't name it and say, this is it, we have to confront this, it, it all just starts to look the same. Having difficult conversations with people, serving with groups or organizations, donating or giving our money to different causes, that all requires sacrifice, but for us, that means that's a part of us confronting evil and bringing people out of darkness and oppression and things that are hurting them. And I bet there's every single one of us in here, there's something that you've seen happening in the world before that you said, I would love to do something about that, and God is looking at you and saying, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Start with prayer. Start praying, God, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do? I guarantee you, he will show you what it is that you can do. And sometimes we get so consumed. Well, I got to do this and that and that and this. And I I love this quote. I've shared it before from Pastor Andy Stanley. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Start somewhere. Start with one. Start speaking up. Start serving. Start doing something somewhere. Ask this question, where is there evil around you that you are afraid to address, but you know God is calling you to say something or do something? Where is there evil around you that you are afraid to address, but you know God is calling you to say something or do something? I don't want to be too controversial or say anything that's going to bother anybody, but just putting a post on social media that makes you feel good and others feel bad we need to do a little bit more than that as those who are followers of Christ. Oh, I made my post. I'll turn off my phone for a while. I'll go binge watch some stuff and then I'll come back and see who liked and shared it. I made a difference. Really? <laughs> really? Now, don't get me wrong. Social media can be great for raising awareness about different things, but you know, I'm, you know, I made a post today. It's gonna really get some people thinking. It probably won't. Um, it, it could, but it, it probably won't. And social media can be a good thing, but sometimes we think, oh, I made a post, I've done enough. We're called to do so much more than just make a post. We as the people of God, as the church, are the people who sacrifice our time, sacrifice our resources, sacrifice who, as Jesus said, take up our cross and follow him. We have the difficult conversations. We, 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 we give up time sometimes, even on a weekend or a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning to say, we are going to serve because we are going to bring light to darkness. We are going to move against us. We have the difficult conversations even when we don't want to because we must be the people. If we don't, if it's the church, bring light to darkness, if we don't bring hope, if we don't bring love, if we don't bring kindness and truth to expel and to bring out that which is hurting and oppressing others, how, how if we don't do that, who is? We have to answer the call and step up and be who it is that God has called us to be. Here's a good reminder for this as well, because sometimes we'll notice something and we might even notice something that is harming someone. We're like, oh, you know, we should go, I should say something, I should do something. I'm not saying that you need to say something arrogantly either, like, you need to stop. I'm, I'm saying more so we need to walk alongside of people as we talked about in our Centered Church series and, and with accountability and humility and love. But sometimes we, we, we step back and we don't serve and, or we don't say something for one of two reasons. We think, oh, someone else will take care of it or someone else is more qualified. Or secondly, we say, 
oh, it's not that bad. It's just, it's just harming them. It's, you know, specifically if we know of a friend that something's going on in their life, we'll go, oh, it's just harming them. I'm not going to say anything. It's just them. Here's a reminder. There's always someone on the receiving end of destruction. There's always someone on the receiving end of someone's destructive behavior. Oh, that person, you know, it's just, it's just harming them. There's always someone on the receiving end of destructive behavior, whether it's a family or friends. I know that seems so obvious, but we convince ourselves sometimes, oh, you know what? I've noticed my friend is, is really struggling internally with this, this, and this, and I'd love to talk with them about it. But you know what? It's just hurting them. No, they're probably lashing out on someone because of it. They, they, they could be... They could be hurting someone else. They could be, you just never know. There's always someone on the receiving end of destruction. There was somebody on the receiving end of Ahab's destruction, and that was Israel. Now, Elijah knew that he had to speak up. When we speak up, when we do something, when we make a kingdom impact, what we're doing is we're saying, we're here to not just help this person or this group, but we're here to help those who could be on the receiving end of destruction as well. We must be the people who are willing to confront evil no matter the cost. And when you confront evil, just because you went and confronted it doesn't mean it's going to get better overnight either. Oh, I did it, God. You're going to take care of it. Sometimes God calls us to walk through some very long and difficult seasons. Sometimes God calls us to walk through some complicated situations. I mean, this does not seem like a very long scenario, but I wonder if for a moment Elijah thought, this is nuts. These people are, are mutilating themselves. And, and uh, overall, oh, this is crazy. Sometimes when we confront evil, it's not easy. It's not always easy. But nothing happens. The fire doesn't come down. So then Elijah gets involved again. He starts talking again. First Kings chapter 18, verse 30 says this. Elijah then told all the people, approach me. So all the people approached him. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. Then Elijah took 12 stones corresponding to the number of tribes that descended from Jacob to whom the Lord's message had come. Israel will be your name. With the stones, he constructed an altar for the Lord. Around the altar, he made a trench large enough to contain two seas of, wheat, of seed. He arranged the wood, cut up the bull, and placed it on the wood. Then he said, fill your water jars and pour the water on the offering and the wood. This is not a good idea if you're trying to start a fire. When they had done so, he said, do it again. So they did it again. Then he said, do it a third time. So they did it a third time. So this thing's completely drenched. I think Elijah probably realized there's a bit of a legend surrounding him. He's back. There's all this one versus 400. So Elijah sets up a scenario then where only God can get the credit. Nobody can say, oh, Elijah tricked us or did this or figured this out. No, he put all this water on and set up a scenario where only God could get the credit. When you answer the call, when you confront evil, when you start becoming the person that God has called you to become and doing what it is that he's called you to do, there's gonna be moments where you're gonna say, I'm gonna do this right now. And I don't know how it's gonna work. I, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen but only God can get the credit. Well, when we start a new story, I said, uh, we're, we're gonna do this. I don't know if anybody's gonna show up. I'm kind of a goofball. 
You know, a guy who spends his money to go see Weird Al at Carnegie Hall last week. Like, it's, it, it, you know, I was so excited to meet Donald Duck at Disneyland last week. I don't know if anybody's going to show up to my church. You know, I don't know if anybody's going to be here. We had all this young group of people. Who never we don't know if anybody's going to do this. We, we don't know if anybody's, I, 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 I don't know. And God brought you guys here. So if you don't like it, you can blame him. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm kidding. But... This is what God does. He puts us in scenarios where he has to show up and we might not always get the credit. And Elijah sets up a scenario where only God can get the credit. And look at what happens in verse 38. Then fire from the Lord fell from the sky. It consumed the offering, the wood, the stones, and the dirt and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they threw themselves down with their faces to the ground and said, the Lord is the true God. The Lord is the true God. God sent the fire and from this, Israel, as Elijah said to them earlier, you're gonna continue to be paralyzed by indecision. They now see clearly who God is. He showed up, he sent the fire and they started worshiping God and said, he is the true God. Here's what happened for Elijah and can happen for us. When you answer the call, you will experience life as a conqueror. Paul writes that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, once again, it's not a conqueror, so, well, I'm a conqueror. Look at all I've done, you know. I mean, no, that, that's, not, that's not the way of Jesus. That's not, that's not, when we experience life as a conqueror, typically what happens is you're a conqueror who you have set others free from the lies or the darkness they have been enslaved to. And it's not always an easy process. But that's what Elijah did. He was able to, by answering the call, Israel was now set free from the oppression of Ahab. They were set free from the lies that they had been enslaved to. It's not so Elijah can feel better about himself so that Israel will be set free. And this is exactly what Jesus did. When Jesus answered the call of going to the cross, of giving his life, being buried and resurrected, he rescued humanity from the lies that we had been enslaved to. He rescued us from a lesser life. He rescued us from living lives that are temporary and to bring us into a life that could have eternal impact, a life that is brand new. As Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave, he conquered so that we may be set free so that we may be set free from the lies of the enemy, so that we may be set free from living a life that is beneath our intention, so that we may be set free from the enemy who's prowling around, looking to devour and destroy. And when we embrace living in and answering the call, we become people who we live life as conquerors, but it's a conquering that's not just for us, but it's for others. As we look at the life of Elijah today, I want to ask you some application questions. We're going to wrap it up with this. Write these down. Discuss these with God in your prayer time. Discuss this in your story group. Discuss this with other people. Start asking yourself these questions. What has God done in your past to prepare you for the future? Often we think of, God, do this right now. God, I want you to do this right now. God, I can't wait for what's next. And God is asking us to just look back on what he has done. And in that, he will give us clarity for what he's called us for and what he's called us to do, and who he's called us to become in the future. What has God done in your past to prepare you for the future? Secondly, are there any discouragers or deceivers who you need to silence? 
As I said earlier, sometimes the worst discouragers and deceivers is, is just your own mind. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. Are there any people who you've been trying to embrace this new life that Jesus has invited you into? And you're saying, you know, it's time to just silence those voices. I can still love you. I can still spend time with you. But when those things come up, I'm just not listening right now because his voice is gonna be the primary voice in my life. Next, what evil around you is God calling you to confront? Where is he calling you to serve? It doesn't even have to be in this church. Maybe it's somewhere else. Where is he calling you to serve? Where is he calling you to give time and resources? We would love it if it was in this church. We want everyone to be a part of our story team. But if there are other areas, where is he calling you to, to, to confront evil or to do something? Maybe it's just an individual conversation with a friend, a family member, or a coworker, and you see something horrible happening. You're like, I need to say something. I don't want to sound judgmental. I don't want to sound this or that. Pray that God would give you the approach and the words to say. Next, what steps do you need to take to grow in godly confidence? Elijah clearly had a confidence in God, a confidence that was willing to confront the king and to take on 450 prophets, a confidence that was willing to call upon God and say, hey, we're going to see if God shows up here. We're going to see what happens. What steps do you need to take to grow in godly confidence? And lastly, simply this, will you answer the call? Will you answer the call? God is calling you. He's inviting you forward into a new and different kind of life. Some of you, you've been walking and knowing God for some time, but you feel like, ah, you know, it's just, it's just kind of flatlined almost. And it's because he's been calling you forward to something. You just keep saying, no, no, no. Some of you, this, this faith thing is new and it, it just, just keep coming to church, get connected to a group, start serving somewhere, start to see who Jesus is through experiencing others who are following Jesus, but also get to know him and spending time with him and just say, hey, I'm gonna see what this is all about. Will you answer the call and move forward into the new life that Christ has for you? I pray that we would be people too, that this wouldn't just be, oh, I'm gonna individually answer my own little call for my life. No, this is a kingdom thing. This is about us being in this together. So when I see Nick or Dave or Daryl Ann or Rafi or, 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 or this other Nick or Jenny or, or over on this side of the room, or I see, I see Aaron and I see, I see Joe, I see people embracing the call and I see them moving forward. It's not just, oh, good for you. It's no, you're embracing your call and I'm embracing mine, which means we're embracing a greater call together and we are becoming the people that God has called us and asked us to be. And so how can I encourage and challenge and how can we encourage and challenge and build one another up and not just become individuals, but become a people. Become a people who answer the call, who confront evil, who bring light to darkness. And say, so we're gonna rely on God above all else and see him move in miraculous ways. Let's take this moment here to continue to praise God this morning. I wanna invite you to stand with us. We have another song we're gonna sing. Let's put our attention on him. Let's collectively sing together that we are gonna be people who answer the call, who follow him and become who it is that he's called us to be and start doing the work that he has called us to do as we bring light to darkness and write a new story that God has called us to write. Let's praise him this morning. Thank you.